Thank you, guys. It's good to see everybody. Um, yeah, first time teaching in town. It's awesome, though, just being a part of uh, this family. You know, I don't even don't even feel too nervous right now to be honest with you guys. This, you guys are my family. Hello, do you guys? Um. So, anyways, uh, when Rory asked me to teach, he said that. We need. I needed to maybe, or maybe it's common to um, just give you a little bit of your testimony, uh, and then you know maybe try to try to make a sermon about around that. And I don't mean in the fact of about Joe, but just simply about how God has moved through me and um, how that ties to the truth of the Bible. And so I'm going to try to do that. And. Um, so as Johnny said, my name is Joe Papanoff. It's my wife down here. We've got three beautiful kids. Um, we're just uh, we're a blessed family because because God loves us. And so I'm just a I'm just a ranch hand. That's what the Lord's got me doing. He's made me a steward of a ranch. Um, a spectacular job to me, but probably to nobody else. Just a little bit about me, but let's just um, as I as I go into today, I guess what I'm going to try to do is bring the word. It's kind of a bummer for you guys because it's all the discourse, and I've been teaching and implying it for the last three weeks, and we're at the end of it. So you guys are probably going to be really confused because you weren't there for the last three weeks of it. But I think I think we can tie up some loose ends. But I will have loose ends out there. Just bear with me, and um, hopefully at the end I'll, I'll you know bring it all together to make it make sense. You know, it's like those annoying movies where there's like three different things going on at once, and then you're just getting so annoyed that you can't quit watching, it and then at the end it comes together. Hopefully that's the way it's gonna go. So, anyways, my testimony about about Joe's life and what the Lord has done in me. Um, you know, I wasn't, I was raised to, I knew who, I knew the name Jesus, but I, I wasn't raised to know the Word of God. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a little bitty tiny town, and it was pretty much me and my family was, was the town, the Papanons for the most part. And, um, uh, you know, there, there just wasn't a lot of talk, almost non-existent about Jesus. And so that's the way I was raised. I, you know, just went through life, had a lot of influences of the world along with that. And the, the reality is it, it wasn't, I don't sit here today and, and say it was any of those influence my family or my friend's fault. The reason, you know, I, I chose the path that I did was just simply because I chose it. Completely my choices. And so those choices led me just in sin and worldly life. Um, I just, as I was thinking about what to say about my testimony, I just, all week, I'm just like, man, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, I've got nothing. I don't feel like it's any different than anybody else's. Um, for You know, some people, I guess. Some people did grow up in the church, and I mean, obviously everybody's testimony is different, but um, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal, really, maybe. So I'm just thinking all week. And what are you going to say about your testament? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? And, and um, 
couldn't come up with anything. And this morning, it just kind of hit me as I was finishing up my study. And it was just like, I was just busy my whole life. I was just busy. And and it's awesome that the Lord built me that way. You know, I, uh, I started working at a really young age. I don't know, maybe 12 years old or 13 years old probably when I went to work for a, a farm outside of town. I don't know, maybe 15 miles out of town. And, and uh, I just, you know, I, I knew that from a young age, just work, you know, this is this is how you do things. You work, you, you know, you try to be honest and a good person and, and you know, this Jesus thing will sort itself out. And, and so uh, it's kind of funny, you know, that young at that age, I was riding my my dirt bike back and forth to work down the highway and and uh, my dad says one day he's like you're going to get thrown in jail riding that dirt bike up down the highway you know and I'm like well what do you want me to do you got to go to work and he's like take your sister's car <laughs> so I got a car at age 13 and man just that's a glimpse at a young age of like so you can imagine anytime my parents were gone <laughs> That car was getting the wheels drove off of it, you know, and it was only supposed to be for work and, but just busy and doing things of the world and, and it started, yeah, it was, I was that young when, when that was happening and, and, um, so anyways, we just fast forward and, and I, you know, grow up and I get out of high school and everything and I was always kind of a guy, kind of guy that, like, I just needed to be hit in the mouth to get my attention, you know, whether it was in sports or whatever, I just, I needed a coach that was just going to really, just rip my head around to say pay attention and and so that's the kind of that's the kind of guy I just I I am and so moving forward and going through life I just was living for myself partying in every way every 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 aspect of partying I was involved with it and I loved it and all that was was just like in and in in just about me what I thought was fun no matter no matter what anybody else I don't know, the way I influenced anybody else. And so, I, uh, you know, I, I just, I live for myself and live in this terrible life. And, and then I'm, I met my wife, Courtney, and, you know, uh, just a great gal, just a blessing from the Lord. And, and then I just tried to drag her into it, you know. I would say she was on the trajectory of a, a lot better path than I was. And, um, boy, did I, I just, like, I convinced her to fall in love with me, and then I just drug her down this path that I thought was awesome, and it was about Joe. And I, I was just bound and determined to make sure she knew it was about Joe. And, and uh, oh, just terrible, terrible times that, that I just was trying to destroy our relationship. We get married, I was trying to destroy our marriage, and just still partying and still um, looking at things I'm, I, sh- you know, you shouldn't be looking at, and just. Oh, it was just awful. And so, just keep moving forward. We, um, then we finally, I had my own little business building houses, and in 2008 when the market crashed, um, that all crashed, you know, and I went bankrupt and stuff. And the reason I touched on um, the work side of things earlier is because, like, that's what I thought. I thought I was a hard worker. I thought I could make anything happen. Um, I had other people convinced of that. You know, I had people tell me, a lot like, oh, Jim, Joe puts his mind to something, he's going to get it done, and and so that was that was my God, you know, and and uh, and 
and so the market crashes and, and I'm just for once I can't I can't work I can't I can't provide for my wife um, I told her dad when we got married that I, um, the only thing he said when I asked if if I could have her hand is he said make sure she finished college and and so when I bankrupt didn't have any you know any job first time in my life and and I'm just like man college is expensive how, how am I going to do this you know and no matter how how tight I I cinched up my work boots like there just wasn't work at the moment and and so it was my low you know and everybody's low is different um, I've had people tell me that oh that ain't that bad being bankrupt how is that your low kind of laughing like well. You know, yeah, some people's lows, you know, maybe drugs or prostitution or, you know, like all these things. But mine was that, you know, because it just, it just took away what, uh, what I thought I had control of and power of. And so, um, anyways, I was just a blubbering mess. Couldn't, con- con- I could not control myself of just like bawling out loud. Like, what am I, I this is terrible. And, and so the Lord threw me a little bone and got me back into some work and, a good job where I could, uh, you know, dig myself out of a hole. And like I say dig myself out of it still is what my mindset was at the time. And so then, but that low made me think, okay, well, how about church? How about, how about going and see what it's about? Cause obviously I'm at the bottom. I, I need help. So now I want to know who Jesus is. And, um, and so we start going to church a little bit and, uh, you know, I just, it was still, it was just to make me feel better, which that's fine. The Lord used that, but it wasn't. It was still selfish. It was still inward pointing. pointing. And um, so, fast forward now to I don't know. I think it was like 2014 or something, and it was an Easter sermon, and Rory was just presenting Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection, right? And he was just bringing it at a he was speaking it in the infallible truths, right? Of like, you could, you know, at a worldly level, you could search these things out and find out that it was the biggest proven fact of history in the world, you know? And so on a worldly level, that was hitting me that morning, you know? And then the Lord was back here, you know, not in me, but walking beside me and just still kind of like saying, Joe, stop what you're doing, stop what you're doing. And I was just ignoring and just ignoring. And, and that day of just hearing these infallible truths, that, you know, and the, just the Holy Spirit just came down on me of just like, like that's enough, no more, you're done. And so that that sermon, I went back and listened to it, and it was, it was one of those like I was talking about, like a football coach, like jerk your head around, get your attention. It was it was a strong like Rory was filled with the Spirit, and he was like calling, not directly with names, but calling the church out. Warning them of hell, not like not being all in, and so uh, it, that's what I needed. The Lord knew that, so I, you know, I just I submitted. I uh, I came up in front of the church, and I, uh, <laughs> man, I I hit my knees, and I I was just a blubbering mess, and you know, I drug my wife up there because I was too chicken to go by myself, and but uh. That day, everything changed, and so all the things that I had thought I had control of, and I, you know, I I could do, and all these things, like for that transformation, for that change of heart, there's there wasn't a person on the planet could do that to me. 
you know, it, it was only only God. And um, boy, when it happened, it was it was night and day. It was walking this way. walking this way and then man boom next day I was walking this way quit drinking uh, for a long time the Lord just like you know like he just had to he had to strip these things away so let's get into the teaching like I said I didn't even plan how the testimony is going to go that's pretty obvious but um, we're going to be in, in Mark chapter 13 if you want to turn there like I said, it's kind of a... I'm going to try to keep you guys in the know the best I can. I'm just here filling in, and I'm, in the, I'm teaching in Plana today, and I'm, I'm doing this series of all of the discourse, which is Jesus, um, Jesus' own teaching of His second coming. I would encourage you to remember that part. That's why it's kind of a big deal. Like, you know, you think, why isn't this in Revelation? Because a lot of what we're talking about is in... Revelation, because it's it's amazing deal. Because Jesus, when he was alive, is teaching on his own his own uh, second coming. So I'm just going to jump in. You guys get thrown in right where I'm going to be in Plana, and um, we don't have time for me to really recap to get you up to speed. So hopefully you guys remember uh, Roy's teaching through Revelation, and you should be able to just kind of step in and and follow along. So um, the awesome thing about that I love talking about these end times is when you think about it, some people some people like talking about end times. Probably a little too much, right? I personally, before Revel- we learned about Revelation, I didn't want anything to do with it. It scared me. It just was, I'm like, I'm too immature for this. But the awesome thing about the way Calvary Chapel does things, you guys, and uh, man, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, so when we're talking about these end times, man, we're doing it and going through it as the Bible goes through it, right? We're um we're getting we're going through it and we're getting just the perfect amount of eschatology, just the perfect amount of end times teaching. Because we're just going through it word by word or verse by verse, right? So right here where we start out, we're going to be in um, verse 24, and we're going to close out through verse 37, if you want to be there and ready. And so just to get you started, the context right now that we're starting in is that we're in the, we're in the end of the tribulation period, okay? And so in verse 24, Jesus is speaking and says, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together the elect from the four winds from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. So as we get into this part, 
The question, who's the elect? I think it's safe to say that this is the believers of all time gathered together. Because we're dealing with the end time age in this part of the section. The culmination of earthly history. This is the time... This is the, I'm sorry, this is the time of the end that is ushering in the millennial age of Jesus Christ. Jesus and Daniel said not only is it going to be a bad time, this time of tribulation, but the worst time the world has ever seen. You see that in verse 19 and 20 if you back up a little bit. It's no joke. This this end time of, of the tribulation period. The history of the world has had all these things happen, hasn't it? Like So as you, as we um, learned in the beginning of this teaching, it, it gives all these warnings of, of earthquakes, wars, like these signs of the end time. And so when we think about this, now that you know, we're, in, we're in the end times of the tribulation period, wars have always been bad, haven't they? You know, earthquakes, they've always been severe. There's always been famines here and there. But the book of Revelation shows us in these times that when these same things that the, the history of the world has already been through in the, in the Great Tribulation, these times it's going to be on, like, all that stuff on steroids. It's going to be just absolutely magnified, turned up to ten. It's going to be terrible. And so just a quick lit, list I'm gonna, that I wrote down, and this is out of the book of Revelation, but... Just try to paint this picture for you that um, John the Revelator, John the Revelator painted. I'm going to read these these things that, that will happen to to show us how bad these end times will be in the in the Great Tribulation. So the quick list: there's three series of judgments. There are seven seals that usher in the seven trumpet judgments, and then usher in the seven bull judgments. According to chapter 6, there will be an unparalleled series of wars. There will be human slaughter, worldwide famine, worldwide inflation. Then the seven trumpet judgments in Revelation 8. Hail and fire will fall from the sky. Rivers and springs polluted and poisoned. A lot of the grass of the earth will be completely burned up. Revelation 9, the bottomless pit is opened up. Revelation 12, hordes of demons cover the earth. Then the seven bold judgments, Revelation 16, speaking of, of malignant sores upon mankind. Water sources again polluted, poisoned. The sun scorches people on the earth. More hail from heaven. All that is why it's called the Great Tribulation. Do you guys do you guys see the picture of that? That's some bad stuff. Okay, so some will say, well, we just read there in twenty four through twenty seven. Some will say that it's a spiritual meaning. It's not. It's not literally going to happen. It's not physically those things going to happen. Let me read it to you. 27. But in those days after the great tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then 
They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds and from the farthest part of the earth and the farthest part of heaven. I think it's actually going to happen, literally. And you guys, as we go through this, we need to understand... Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach from, from what I've learned from guys that I trust, right? So the same time stuff can get people's hackles up because they say, oh no, it's going to be like this, oh no, it's going to be like that. I'm just trying to divide the word by guys that I trust, what it says. But here's the, here's the deal. Don't, if you believe something different as far as how this is going to happen, that's fine. Go ahead. Just know when it happens, we'll know. So don't let it discourage you if you, if you think something a little different along these lines. Because if, if we're worried about that and that detours us, we're missing the point of the whole book of Revelation, which is Jesus, right? We're missing the point of of, of the, all the discourse, which is Jesus. So just keep that in mind as we go on, you guys. So back to um, remembering those 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 points in Revelation of speaking what it's going to be like brings me to the conclusion of it's literally going to happen. Those things will happen. It won't just be at a spiritual level. I think Jesus was literally saying that. In verse 28, Jesus goes on to say, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branches, I'm sorry, when its branches has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know the summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, at the doors. There's some different ideas on this fig tree uh, parable as well. We do see in Scripture how the fig tree has double meanings. But again, I think as we read this text, we can take it figuratively that, that it's just this example of, of how we can literally see how fig tree works and we'll be able to literally see how the end times are going to come and the warnings of that. So did you guys know that the fig tree is not an evergreen? Right? It loses its leaves with the seasons. And with that, it also is one of the last trees in the spring to, to grow its leaves. So when the fig, fig tree gets its leaves, you know that winter is over. You know no more surprise late winter storms are coming. The summer is close. In the same way, after the abomination of desolation, in this, I believe, in the middle of this seven-year tribulation period, in the same way, we know Jesus' triumphal entry to reign in glory and power is close after we see the abomination of desolation. Remember in Daniel 12, 11, Daniel tells us that when you see the abomination of desolation, start counting. It will be 1,290 days, three and a half years until Jesus is coming. Remember that. This is a great message for those who will be around in that great tribulation. It's a great promise. The same way that the fig tree shows summer is coming, Jesus is coming to reign. It's also a great promise and encouragement to those believers that will be there in the end times. The sign that 
winter is over. See what I'm saying? Tribulation, they have something to look forward to. Tribulation is going to be over. So Jesus repeats the same idea here in verse 30 when he says, Assuredly I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take, take place. I think Jesus is talking about the generation that sees the signs, that see the abomination of desolation in that tribulation period. They will see the, the cosmic catastrophes that we just read about in the skies. The generation, they will see the end. It won't be generation after generation after generation. It will be this specific generation. They will see the signs and they will find comfort and the end is coming soon because of their faith in Jesus Christ in these terrible times, the worst times. Let's see what Jesus says in verse 31. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. Jesus is making a statement here, you guys. Let's not miss this. Let's not read over it and and just blow by it. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Think about this. If I was up here telling you guys my opinion on stuff, and I just was I just spouted off boldly. This is my opinion, and you know, I say the same thing that Jesus says. The heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You guys would and should laugh me out of here. That'd be ridiculous. You you should be saying, like, what are you talking about? For instance, when I'm talking to John. He's counting the seconds for me to stop talking so he can hurry up and forget about what I said. So the same way if I was to stand up here and just spout off my opinion of stuff and then boldly say that this will be, my words will last for eternity. That would be crazy. But when Jesus says it, let's think about that. He's making a statement. He's boldly saying his words are not, will not only... They won't die with mankind. They will ring out for eternity. Only God can make that statement. That's why this is important. This is a little blip of the of the deity of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Only God can make a statement like that. And that's because God said it. So let's look at another parable as we move on here. The other parable in this passage, in verse 32, Jesus says, But but of the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country, 
who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Now this is interesting. In some ways, this parable stands in contrast of the fig tree, doesn't it? Now right here, if you're hot and you're going to sleep, wake up. This contrast is awesome. I want you guys to hear this. The contrast between the parable of the fig tree and the parable I just read of the the master leaving the house. The fig tree parable is saying, watch for the sign and you can know Jesus is coming soon, right? The parable is saying, you don't know when Jesus is coming, so you better be ready. So here's the interesting dynamic of this. There are two separate aspects of Jesus' return. And the two aspects aspects have to be separated by a certain amount of time. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about here. So in verse 32, he says, Of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, not even himself, only the Father. He says he didn't... He didn't even... Let himself know when. Now let's not get confused with that, right? Like talking about deity. Jesus is just simply saying, as he took on humanity and added humanity to his deity, voluntarily he held back this aspect of his deity. He chose not to know this as he was here. Here's the point. No one knows the day or the hour, like it says in in verse 32. Now wait a minute, didn't Daniel say that from the abomination of desolation that we could count 1290 days, start counting, and we would see Jesus coming back? So the question is, is, can you know the day of his return or can't you? The answer to the question is yes. You see, there's two aspects of his return, isn't there? There is the return for his church. So you know that, you know those, I'm sorry, so no one knows the day or the hour, and the other you can mark it on, mark it off from the abomination of desolation. The Bible also says that Jesus will come in two different kinds of world conditions, doesn't it? Earlier in the chapter we read that when Jesus comes, there will be a terrible there will be terrible things happening on the earth, right? This great tribulation. We also read in other parts of the Bible, like in the, the account of, of Matthew's account of this, where of the Olivet Discourse, where he says that people will be eating and drinking and marrying and, and giving to marriage. That everything, when Jesus comes, everything will be going on, life will be going on like normal. So would you say, which which is it? Is he coming to the world 
in complete disaster? Is he coming to the world where everything's normal business? The answer is yes. He's coming in two different aspects. Here's one more. There are parts of Scripture that say Jesus is coming towards the earth for the church. His people will be caught up and meet Him in the air. We see that in um, 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then you might think, well wait, it says in other passages that He will be coming to earth with His church as a hero and to conquer. So which one is it? And the answer, answer again is yes. Again, two different aspects of Jesus' return. These instances are clearly separated by some period of time. That's, that's the yes for the answer for both of them. It's based on the different world conditions that Scripture describes. This is one of the reasons that I personally believe in the rapture before the Great Tribulation. Some people don't believe that. That's okay. But I do want to talk about that a little bit. The other reason I believe that is because I'm out nothing by believing that, am I? What am I out by thinking I want to be raptured before this bad stuff happens? I'm out nothing. I understand I have to give my entire life to Christ. I have to give Him my all to be with Him. We learned about this last week, didn't we? John chapter 3. You have to be reborn before you can see heaven. Right? Why wouldn't I believe and live my life assuming I'm going to get raptured, I'm going to get taken up, caught up, raptured up before the great tribulation? Now, if I live my life like that, and it comes, and I go through the Great Tribulation, I believe we read here that I'll endure to the end and I'll be fine because I'll be trained and know how to focus on Jesus through any hard times. Now that's that's where I land. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody else has to, but why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you aim for rapture pre-Great Tribulation? Ask yourself. And if not, We'll all find out someday. I guarantee you that. Went on a rant there, so now I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. I said all that. Okay, here we go. So back to the contrast between the two parables, okay? We believe pre-rapture in the fig tree couldn't be for us because we won't be around and the fig tree is just warning us during these end times. You guys, you get that? So, so uh, you know, why do we need to know and try to understand it? 
I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm just assuming, for one, because it's in the Bible, it's in the Word of God, we need to know it. I would say also, who knows? Maybe it's so we can teach our children and they can teach their children. Or whenever it comes, people are trained up. It's not the Great Commission. We're supposed to go out and tell the world. So we don't know who is going to be in it or not. I would assume that's why. But this other parable has great application for us today. When we're talking about the contrast of the fig tree, we're talking about versus the um, the guy leaving his, his servants, the master leaving his servants for a period of time and then coming back. Let's look at that in verse 34. It is like a man going to a faraway country. This is the other parable. Who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. It's a simple parable to understand. So who's the owner here? Obviously, it's Jesus that's leaving one away, right? He ascended into heaven. He's not physically here. His kingdom isn't physically here. Spiritually, yes. Physically, no. So as we go through that, Jesus, this parable, it's Jesus, he's left, and he's left his house and give authority to the to the servants, right? He's left us here as believers, the church, to take care of it, to steward it. And he commands us each of our own work, it says there in verse 34. So what do we what do we think about? Like some people think land in this spot of like, well, yeah, Jesus says we don't know the time or the hour when he's coming back. So I'm not gonna worry about it. He'll be here when he gets here. Well, other people, I'll just stick with that. I'd say that's a wrong attitude to have, isn't it? So when the boss is gone, how do we act? Other people have this idea that we don't know when Jesus is coming back, so, oh man, we better find the date. I better just really dig into this end time stuff and just and spend all my time on that and, and just, um, I need to know the date when he's coming back. That's not the right attitude to have either. Friends, the biblical idea Jesus is teaching is that we don't know when. So we need to be ready, alert, and eager, isn't it? Jesus knows how lazy I am. That's for sure. He knows how much I'm going to procrastinate. If I was to know the, the, the end day, it would be, oh man, the night before I better, oh, Jesus, come tomorrow, I better get my clothes on, get, get all ready. Just the wickedness in me. Like, so I'm just, in my mind, as I'm thinking about this, it's just dumbing down for Joe, but it's, I think, I feel like it's that simple. You know, if we were, if we were to know when, we wouldn't be learning and growing and stretching and 
digging in to know. We would just be like, oh, it's April 25th, I'll just be ready then. Well, God knows that, so that's why we don't get to know. It has to be a surprise to teach us and train us to be ready at any moment, it says. This life for Christ needs to be just be our life entirely from every spectrum of our life. So I think about that. How, how do we do when the boss is gone? I think about the job that I have. My boss is an absentee owner to the ranch. He's not there very much. So I think, well, I could probably mess around quite a bit. You'd never know. But the reality is that's true. But I also know that eventually he's going to come back and see, like, the work's not done. There's Nothing's been happening. We can, we can get this, this, the point is this parable is easy to wrap our minds around in those ways. You guys could ask yourselves those questions. Don't we want Jesus to find us busy and about his business when he comes back? He's coming back. Don't we want to be busy for his work, for his kingdom? Man, if, if you don't believe in hell, I would encourage you to read the book of Matthew and it's mostly Jesus talking. You want to talk about the football coach that punches you in the face. Read Matthew and pay attention. We, we just can't forget. We don't know when our time is up. Thinking on this worldly level. We don't know. Man, we just, we don't know when we're going to die, right? That's, I mean, we say that and we know it, but we don't think about it often. Maybe we die of old age. Maybe a car wreck. Maybe we die of cancer. We're all going to die, though. But we just, we just never see past, we just never see past who to the picket, right? So, how do we do this? How do we get ready? Here's the question. I hope, you know, maybe this will wake you guys up a little bit. And it's um, because you guys aren't wanting to pay attention. It's my fault. But how do we do this? Well, for starters, get saved. Eternity is very real. And it's nothing to be toyed with. Get saved. Simply come before the Lord and say, Here I am, a sinner. Change me. This hits home with me as I just touched on a little bit of my, my testimony. I just I could overwhelming sense that Easter Sunday of like, I just, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need saved. I need help. My way does not work at all. This is going to speak to all of us. Some of us, hopefully all of you are saved. I have no idea. Hopefully you are. The good thing about this is, this, this other, as we go through this, of how we, how we get ready for Jesus' second coming, it, will, it, it speaks to us who are saved. You know what it is? It's get busy. Grow in the Lord. Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get complacent in our walk with the Lord. 
Grow, learn, always, constantly. Don't think you already know enough and you have a corner market on it. We will spend the rest of our lives learning this if, if we want to give our lives to, to the Lord, till we're with Him. Some things that that happen that we see, you know, we don't want to land in the spot where we're telling ourselves, you know, I know enough about the Word. You know, I don't. I don't need to be digging in the Word daily. I know enough. I serve on the board at church. I hope to work on the on the remodel of the church building like every day. I went and held signs downtown for the signs of life. I go to church in Prineville, and then I then I I go out and I spend the rest of the day in, in Palina, all day at church. We don't want to get stuck and complacent in these ideas where we convince ourselves that that's enough. We can't rest in those things. And that part where we can't rest in those things is where I want to be absolutely clear. I'm not talking we are saved by our works, you guys. Now, I'm talking about like last week's sermon of being reborn, a new heart. Now this comes out of us, these things that we do to be ready for Christ. That's what I'm talking about. I also don't want to, I don't want us to like, put it in a box of like, what I'm doing. Like, well, the Lord uses me doing this and this and this and, and that's, that's all He uses me for. I'm doing these things. I would encourage all of us, if we want to grow, we should be we should be living by this saying that we got from um, who was the little short guy with the beard at the men's muster? Luke Frechette. Luke Frechette's word was show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. Okay, realize what we're talking about. Obviously, we can't say yes to everything. Courtney and I live 45 minutes away, one way. We can't say yes to everything. That's fine. But, we can be available. We can present ourselves available. We can sacrifice. We can make our lives about the Lord versus selfish things. So this is, this is how we do it. Say yes to everything and watch how the Lord will grow us in that. Now, I think this is the message for our church today. I probably bored you with the rest of that, but this is relevant. Show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. Don't put it in a box that... Well, yeah, I'm already doing these things and that's how the Lord uses me. I already know my gifts. I would be willing to bet as we go throughout this life living for Jesus and presenting ourselves available, He's going to show us more and more, use us more and more and more. So I just encourage you guys, don't land in the spot of, well, I, I don't do it like that, I do it like this. Try it. Maybe it's not your gift. That's fine. How are you going to know? How's the Lord going to sh- reveal that to you if you're not trying it? Ask yourself. I, I'm, I'm asking myself that, you guys. So here's what I'd say. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, because I've thought this myself, and I still, I think it's good to ask yourself every day. You know, Lord, use me. 
And then if you just don't know what the, how the Lord would use you, you don't know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I've, I know, I still find myself like, Lord, use me. What do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? I encourage you guys to pray diligently and hear that word diligently, not just once in a while, but like, if you really want to know, and you really want to draw closer to the Lord, and you really want to be saved, and you really want to be busy, pray diligently. Asking God to show you. Cry out that you want to be used for His kingdom. Let's be clear on that part, the last part. His kingdom. If you do that diligently, I'm sure the Lord will meet you there. If He doesn't, come talk to me. I got lots of rocks to pick at the ranch. I'll put you to work, doing business, doing the work. And you'll, I'm sure you'll be like, I'm out of here. I will definitely want to know what the Lord wants from me. So come talk to me. Okay, you guys. I'm just, as, as we're talking about this, if we ask the Lord to search our hearts, to cleanse us, to help us take our eyes off ourselves, you guys, a lot of times we don't even know how inward pointing we are. Right? He promises us to meet us there. Coming to church and getting fed is amazing and it's part of God's design and He's designed us to need fellowship because if we try to sit out here and read the Bible on our own, we're going to get it wrong. It's too, it's too heavy and too thick. God says we've got to do it together. To get through it. So he promises to meet us there. Get involved. Here's the principle. I want you to hear this. The biblical, or I'm sorry, the Bible's revelation of the world's consummation should bring godly motivation. And this is what Verse 37 is saying, I'll read it. Jesus says, And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Okay? Get saved. Get busy. Be active. Johnny, come on up. Worship team, come on up. We close this up. Okay, you guys, so that Easter Sunday, the Lord used Rory to just speak truth of these infallible truths about Jesus and how real he is and that nobody can prove that he's not real. Nobody. With facts. That day, God gave me ears to hear. We constantly, as we've been teaching through Mark, like we just constantly, it's been Jesus talking to the disciples and telling them, and, and the Pharisees and everybody. If you have ears to hear, hear. He gave me strength to put down my pride that day. He gave me strength to fall down. How does that make sense? But he did. He gave me strength to fall down in a blubbering mess knowing that 
I was truly broken. And on my best day of being a good person, it wasn't, I was, I was missing the boat. He gave me a new heart that would lead my mind to just cry out, Father, I believe who you say you are. But I don't know how to do it. That's what I cried out that day. I cried out, Lord, I don't know how to change this wickedness that I chose and ingrained in myself for, I don't even know how old I was when that happened, for 30 some years. I made a life of it. The worst things, you guys, honestly. The worst things people can do. I've done it. That moment when I was reborn, you know, it was fulfilling the words of God. We're talking about that in this scripture. It proves what we learned last week, John chapter 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says when we are reborn, we are a new creation. But a new creation, living a new way, with new desires, that should be forever till we're with Jesus. Our testimony doesn't stop. If we're in this spot of growing, Lord, use me, teach me. Hopefully I've got all kinds of gifts for His glory and His kingdom. So what does all this have to do with Jesus' coming back? I'm glad you guys asked that. We're talking about fulfillment of these prophecies, proving Jesus is who He says He is, proving that He will come, and we better be ready. Believing it, being ready, being active. We all know, and some of us maybe are are learning, Jesus predicted his crucifixion and resurrection, and it happened. It actually was fulfilled. The same way when we learn about the end times, and Jesus is telling us to watch and pay attention and be ready. Man, we should believe it with everything we've got and live it and hit our knees daily, open the Bible daily, get in fellowship as much as we can to navigate God's Word. Creator of the world gave us stuff to understand. We can understand how it's thick and we need help. We can't do it by ourselves. Love you guys. Thank you for today. Thank you for being here. Johnny, you want to pray for us, buddy? You want to-